Magandang buhay sa iyo lahat. While we're driving, you're tuned into Pinoy Australiano. Guys, we've got an interesting episode coming up. Uh, stay tuned. What's going on, guys? Kumusta na? Anong balita? What's going on with you guys? I hope you guys are all well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pinoy Stradiano. I'm currently on the road, so don't mind any sort of random awkward uh, silences or hiccups or random uh, random Tourette's I might get as a form of uh, road rage. But guys, it's um, about 9th, uh, about 10, 10.30 a.m. I think. And uh, I've just been up for the past four hours. Went to the... Uh, the infamous Victoria Market of Melbourne City. If you're ever visiting our, our city, be sure to just check out the, the nice little wonderful ecosystem that is the Victoria Market. Hey, um, I caught up with a, a former lover, <laughs> uh, a dear friend of mine. I'm, I'm very glad that we can, we can still maintain a kind of platonic relationship. And, um, you know, she... We just planned to catch up sometime and she said that she wanted to go to the Palenque, um, the market, to buy some fresh fruit and vegetables um, today at Victoria Market. And what's crazy is because she's an artist herself and we, we have uh, a lot of conversations about our creative processes, our personal experiences um, as, a, as a person of colour in an industry that is, you know, and you know, I don't really subscribe to this idea because I, I feel it is kind of the political context of it um, keeps us under. Person of color, well, our Caucasians not people of color, you know. I think it, it, it's, it's more of a different kind of perception and, and understanding. And, and from, from, my, from my part, the way I see it as a person of color, so to speak, which is a term I very, very rarely use. You know, it's only in professional settings that I use that term. Is that, you know, it's like why play the victim? If we are truly to feel like equals and, and understand equality, well, we can't be dipping ourselves down into a lower vibration like that. When, of course, yes, there is a reality where you might be discriminated against, you might not be getting the same kind of opportunities because of your your skin tone, you know, because you're a minority, because whatever, 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 but fuck that. Just do what you gotta do and just accept that these are the challenges that it is what it is, you know? That's just the way it is, you know? Just hear that song, the Changes song. So anyway, let's just try and keep it in context in terms of what it means to be Pino Australiano. I'm gonna get good old Yang Yang um, here, who's a Chinese Australian. But what's interesting about her is she identifies as um, partially being Vietnamese because her heritage from South China, Guangzhou, I think is how you say it. She, her parents were, how, however many generations deep in Vietnam, and adopted the surname Tran as opposed to Chin or Chang. I'm not sure the, 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 the transliterations there, if that's the right word. <coughs> um, and then her parents ended up becoming refugees to Australia during 
the um, Vietnam War. But um, the Palenque. Palenque, I think, is a Spanish term because I'm pretty sure the, the Mexicans use it as well. Shout out to my Mexicanos. Um, Palenque is the market. And we're pretty spoiled here in, in Australia because on a Tuesday morning, there aren't that many people at Victoria Market, whereas in the markets I've been in Boracay and in parts of the Philippines, you know, it's shoulder to shoulder, it stinks, there's flies everywhere, you know, it wouldn't pass health and safety <laughs> laws here in Australia, but it's crazy because I think there's a return. When you've got all this meat and food around you, there is a instinctual return perhaps. I feel like it's something that I need to explore, but there's an instinctual return to being that real basic, basic human being. Anthony Lawang. <laughs> I don't even know if my Mandarin accent there is, is is even remotely correct. But hey, you know, we just touched upon the Palenque and this return, this instinctual return to being the animal. That's right, I said it. The animal, that beast that walks on its hind legs to allow for an erect spine and an evolution of the mind <laughs> according to uh, particular literature you know it's 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 this this um this idea to return you know to to instinctual habits guys when you see raw meat around when you see um vegetables and fruits around you know like if the case is at our base instinct of survival we need to consume to survive yeah and all of the things that are required to to survive such as you know slaughtering and killing you know or nurturing of, of um, seeds and seedlings and plants in this modern day society, how many of us could truly say we grow our own vegetables and hunt our own meat? We go to the supermarket to buy all of these things, but perhaps because of, you know, the clinical environment that is the supermarket with all the bright lights and the lack of interaction with particular staff handling a particular ingredient or, or, or produce yeah we are not in that mindset of returning to our base instincts but when you're in the palenque when you're in when you're in the market there are a million obviously not a million to be a pretty massive palenque I'm sure there is a place like that in the world but you know um, you'll have as, as few as few as 30 vendors in one particular space yeah and all of them sell or trade in a particular good 
right? So let's bring it back right to the beginning of this morning. As soon as we arrived at Victoria Market, Victoria Palenque, <laughs> does that make sense? Palenque ng Victoria. <laughs> it doesn't sound so good, so Victoria Market na lang, alright? That sounds, that sounds uh, filler enough with the accent, but this is the thing. We will walk in and we decided to eat first before shopping, yeah? Before buying our, our, our fruits and veggies. So, I ended up, um, we ended up buying some bureks, which is like a nice uh, Turkish bread, uh, cheese and um, herb, goat cheese and herb, salty like roll, you know, bread piece. Amazing. The woman, she looked pretty emotionless. She almost looked like she was, uh, you know, kind of rude because she would just wrap up the the, the, the bureks and then just piff it on top of the counter and be like, five dollars, you know, six dollars, whatever, and then just get it, you know. So we got that, and then we're chewing away at this thing while we're buying ourselves some cafe, some coffees. So there was another place around the corner, like you know, pretty hectic um, hipster kind of joint. The uh, 30 plus year old guys there were very clean cut, you know, shout out to them. Thanks for making good coffees. And then we got conversating about the arts and catching up, you know. And it's your sort of standard affair when you go out to catch up with someone in whatever circumstance. And then once we went into the market, right, then, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating the experience, but you see all this fresh fruit you can smell the rawness about it you can smell like the smell that vegetables emit a bit of that soiliness a bit of that greeniness a bit of that plantiness and each individual vendor are there like attending to their produce you know and I'm like wow you know these guys they really really care about their produce and this is how they make their living we should be supporting them I digress, I digress. So I guess, you know, being in a place where you're getting, not necessarily getting better vegetables and fruits, but, poor thing, I just saw this sad lady sitting on the sidewalk of a real busy street. Dangerous, she could get run over, but she doesn't seem like it. She cares that much that I think she needs to go to Victoria Market and realize how amazing it is to go into a place where there's all this produce that had been grown by human beings, you know, and the amount of care and love, maybe not in every instance, but, you know, in most people's cases, because they need to make sure they create the best produce to increase their sales, you know, their livelihood, their survival depends on it. But yeah, so, you know, imagine seeing these rows and rows of, and crates full of, of vegetables and, and herbs and fruits, some more exotic than others. You know, like, perhaps to the information I've, I've um, schooled myself on, it's like, you really feel like, as opposed to a supermarket which has this whole feeling of, Consume, 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 buy quickly, buy quickly, buy quickly, get this because it's cheap, cheap, cheap. All of that's out the window and you're just looking at fresh produce and you're interacting 
with some uh, pretty cool uh, individuals that are selling you know their produce there's there's just something very humane about the experience you know um, I don't know if you subscribe to the idea but like the whole mass production of supermarkets and all that and the amount of waste that goes with that not to say that that doesn't happen in in these markets but they would prefer that they don't waste there's a lot there's a lot more what can I say perhaps emotional investment in, in people who work in the Palenque because they'll see how much they've wasted they, they can feel the waste of that effort of growing that cucumber or zucchini or, or, or piece of fruit when it doesn't sell that they'll have to drop that price just to ease their conscience that they've sold all of their produce whereas at a supermarket as soon as it starts to look like it's 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 withered out <coughs> excuse me and even if it's a week or a couple days to expiration on you know like your preserved goods they just throw that in the bin you know and there's this movement of people for a long time that access to the key or break into these locks of these special tips that supermarkets have so that they can go in and get this food that's not completely off or still pretty good to eat and that's how they survive now that's some pretty hectic you know hippie movement but hey you know you got to do what you got to do to survive and um, unfortunately we didn't get to go to the the to the fisher the fishery the fishmongers or the butcher section but you know you can imagine that when you're looking at this raw meat yeah, you're looking at this raw meat right in front of you it's not packaged it's all laid out it stinks it smells like blood you know like the smell of blood the taste of blood when you watch some of those movies where there's warrior you know there's a warrior types involved warrior archetypes involved in these movies <coughs> usually it's a very villainous a heinous act well actually you know the good guys even do it like Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon, he'll get he's got he's gotten his like his his stomach slashed open by Mr. Han and Bruce Lee picks that up like flicks his his wound with his finger, licks it, and tastes his blood and then gets super angry and gets into stance the way he does and goes, What the hell like that, right? What is that? Why would you do that? Why would you lick your own blood? Are you fucking idiot you know but then when you cut your finger what do you what's almost a an instinctual thing you do you 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 suck on it it's like a way of healing you know <coughs> but the taste of blood perhaps is this return to being that beast that animal that we call a human you know and i think there's something important about that in our in our society this day and age that that makes us human and doesn't make us some lifeless avatar with algorithms. Now I haven't really, I haven't actually told you this story guys, but uh, yes, I'm back in, in, in Victoria, Melbourne, Australia. Just spent uh, an unexpected whole month in Zangboan in um, Osaka, Japan, with my daughter. But um, prior to moving there back in 2000, end of 2011 and 
2012, beginning of 2012, um, before having our daughter, I had this experience where I was looking, I was already getting homesick, and I was looking for Filipino stores in Japan, because I knew that there's a quite an quite a, 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 a big Filipino population of expats that live in um, Japan, yeah, Filipinos that live in Japan, and so we went to this part of Osaka, which is pretty rough, yeah, like, if there are ghettos in Japan, then there's definitely a ghetto in Osaka, and this uh, ghetto is known as um, Shin Imamiya, or Shinsekai, or Nishinari, yeah, it's funny because a lot of tourists go there because that's where the cheapest accommodation is. Only for them to realize, and maybe some of them don't even realize, but like that's a pretty ghetto place. It's there. Are, there is a bit of danger that lurks in, in certain parts, but not to the level of, let's say, certain third world countries. You know. Um, so. I found this place on the internet and I was like, oh, it's actually a restaurant, so let's go there to eat. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm craving Filipino food. And at that stage in my life, even though I was already cooking, I didn't know how to cook Filipino food. I just knew how to do basic cooking, you know, grilling, frying, sauteing, boiling, steaming, that kind of thing. But didn't really know how to cook Filipino food. So anyways, I walk in or I knock on the door and it's like a house, but it's kind of like a shop front, yeah? And there's this little um, little Japanese boy sitting there, and this little Japanese kid, right? I thought he was Filipino, but he looked Japanese. I go, uh, I can't remember what I said to him, but he went, "Bachan, Bachan," you know, like calling his grandmother or auntie. I'm not sure. Anyway, this distinctly Filipino woman comes from behind, behind. Uh, closed doors and you know I started speaking to her in, in, in Tagalog and I was just looking at, at the wares there and, and, and really it was nothing it was barren it was like the, the shelves were like there was like two sat sachets of like Mamacita's um, uh, Sinigang mix you know which is our tamarind soup dish um, and, and a few other satchels of instant stuff you know and she's like, oh, we don't run the restaurant anymore. We, we barely sell anything anymore. We, we, but we do cook for the local church in Tenochi. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Well, you know, well, that's a shame. But yeah, I'll definitely try to catch you at the church, which I never got to do. But as I'm talking to her, this man comes out of the back, yeah? And this dude looks Japanese, you know? got the distinct features of, of a Japanese man, full bearded, and he's got this apron on, but kind of topless underneath, he didn't have a shirt underneath his apron, he just had this apron on, and there was blood all over it, and this dude was holding a massive machete, like a full machete bro, and he was walking towards us to get some ingredient from the shelf, right, but for a, min for a minute my heart dropped, it stops. My balls dropped. I thought he was going to come in and chop me, you know, just because of what I heard about the area. And what's interesting is I'd mentioned it in um, prior episodes, in prior segments about like the burakumin, which are these human 
these people, this class, sorry, this class of people in Japan that were known as the lower class because they were involved in things like the slaughtering of animals and, and being undertakers for the dead and, and doing these sort of unclean jobs. But I think there is something important about doing these savage acts, so to speak, especially in a society that relies off these guys. They shouldn't be treated as lower class people, but they should be treated as people with the strength to embrace their humanity. So anyway, like, um, so brings me on to sort of the rapid, fast pace uh, way of life we are living here in a first world country and, and, and how, you know, there, there seems to be, at least from my experience as an artist, um, the sort of lack of humanity, so to speak. Um, and on other levels, you know, the lack of physicality and the lack of attention to, to your mind and, 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 and actually more importantly, your soul. Um, and it's funny and maybe not so funny for those of you who are very politically correct because it's quite politically incorrect but I'm a person of, of brown skin and I will be the first one to admit that a majority of uh, Australian island uh, Austronesian cultures um, as, a, as, a, as a coping mechanism don't take certain things so seriously even though those of you who listen to my show would consider to think that I'm actually quite a serious deep philosophical spiritual person but <laughs> you know at the same time there's a there's a, a very childish nature that I that I portray and, and and that that comes down to that comes down to just who I am as a person and in my upbringing culturally but this is what I was going to say well in Osaka um, you know being a parent there'd be times I'd have to tell off my daughter you know and I've got a friend there that lives with with my my, my daughter and, and my ex-wife. You know, they, uh, my ex-wife was kind enough to to get get him started by living in the place. Yeah, Huili, you heard him in in a, in a past episode. But um, we they have a map of Australia on the wall, and I would say to Lily when she's being a naughty girl, be like, Lily, if you don't do this thing, I'm gonna palo your bum. Palo means smack. I'm gonna smack your bum. And you're gonna fly all the way to Melton from here, right? And I would say Melton as opposed to Australia. And Melton, unfortunately, has this um, bad stigma on on about it because of the particular ethnic groups that live there. And I think that's dope because it's like, yeah, fucking no one else wanted to live there, so you know that's with that's where the community lives that's where the community lives and any community and culture has has its positive and negatives attached to it and unfortunately uh people are reacting quite hysterically um about um the sudanese conflict out there now what you have to understand guys and correct me if I'm wrong, those of you who might be Sudanese yourself listening to this show, that Sudan itself is a place of conflict. And whilst um, geopolitical reasons are why that country and those borders, these Euro Euro European-made borders, 
create Sudan are actually the wrong borders to create because the the tribal, the indigenous uh, people that live within that area are actually co- conflicting groups. You could almost say that about the Middle East as well, you know, any country really. There are just some groups of people that are in conflict, okay? Now, in this peaceful modern day world, the idea of, of punching on and, and, and doing things of that nature is, is, is very frowned upon, but it is an innate part of, of being a human being. Now, I'm not saying go out and smash the person that you, you disagree with, but sometimes that is the only way uh, people unfortunately find a way to, to express themselves. Now, according to certain spiritualists, it's like you don't want to lower yourself to that vibration to draw blood, but I think there is something spiritual about that. Very strange concept, I know, but you know, the hot blooded Filipino in me says, like, man, I should Like, when you're fucking angry, you just want to fucking smack this dude in the head, you know? And I think sometimes there's merit in that. <laughs> but no, you shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't do that. I'm not condoning violence, but it's an interesting concept to think about in terms of your humanity. Ano, ano, ano? Ano? Tinatanong ko lang kung nagre-record na kasi alam mo naman ako sa sa, pag, sa paghahawak ng mga teknolohiya na di ko alam kung ano-ano. Ano? Kwento na kwento ka, wala ka namang sinasabi. Gago. So, what's up guys? Pasensya na, you heard that uh, I was just having a little, a little argument with uh, Anthony Luis Lamarok. Inang Lamarok gago ka putang ina mo. <laughs> Hindi joke lang joke lang. Um, yes, guys, returning to the Philippine Reader Introduction to Philippine Pagan Religion, the Soul Book, written by Demetrio Fernando Enzialcita and illustrated, illustrated by Roberto B. Peleo. Today's chapter, under the power sources, we read about the assistant deities and powers. Okay. Below the Lord of the Upper Sky is a host of Anitos or Diwatas, many of whom can do as they please the more distant they are from Him. According to Barton, who studied the Ipugao spirit world in 1946, these spirits are believed to be immortal, to change form at will, to become invisible, and to transport themselves quickly through space. There are other attributes associated with these powerful spirits. While they can diagnose and cure illness, they can afflict men with misfortune, ill luck, or disease. They can recover a soul if it has been carried off, but they can also coax away a person's soul. Though they prevent the dead from molesting the living, they too cause death. Death as in dying, yeah, not death like you pay some money utang to people anyway. Indeed, they can devour parts of the living human body. 
men's minds the influence to suggest courses of conduct, such as payment of debt without losing pace, passions they dampen so that men will not fight during a celebration, and stomachs they tie due to dull the appetite for food and drink. Those who propitiate them know that these invisible presences can increase rice even after it has been stored in the granary. Word of trespassers, make the hunt safe and bring victory in battle. Powerful spirits roughly divide into three categories, ancestor spirits, nature spirits, and guardian spirits. Spirits of Ancestral Heroes Some ancestors, particularly those who were outstanding in farming, hunting, warfare, and the arts, acquired more and more powers in the memory of their descendants as time went on. They became fabulous beings. The more illustrious hero spirits are remembered in the great epics. Others are remembered as culture heroes who taught their people new skills. Some ancestral heroes include Lumabat, first Bagobo mortal to attain the sky world. Handiong, the hero of the Bicol epic who freed the land from the ravages of wild animals, brought Bicolanos rice and planted the fruits. Lumawik, taught the Bontok headhunting, agriculture, the art of building council houses and men's dwellings, and a code of ethics. Bantugan, the charming, indestructible, much weeded, much sorry, much wedded hero who could repulse any invasion. His cult probably began when the Maranaos were still animist. Nature spirits. Not all ancestral spirits become deified. Many remain nameless spirits residing in dark, majestic trees and in the deep woods. Nature spirits reside in the natural environment, such as trees, rocks, crags, rivers, and volcanoes. Human-like, but much more powerful, these unseen beings are credited with feelings and sensibilities. Accordingly, they may be offended and thus cause harm, or they may be propitiated and their friendship gained. Some spirits are represented as being sensitive to a fault as many Filipinos are when confronted with an unfamiliar or unpleasant situation. People do create spirits according to their likeness. On the other hand, Frank Lynch, the anthropologist, says that the Filipino scare in handling inter interpersonal relations may in fact be the result rather than the cause of this belief in an environment filled with sensitive spirits. In moving about, he takes care not to displease the many invisibles who could punish him. Nature spirits can be either malevolent or beneficent, as in Philippine society as a whole. It all depends on how you deal with them. If you ignore them and hurt their dignity, they can make you sick. However, if you acknowledge them and ask permission to pass by and give them offerings on occasion, then they will reward you. Some Nature Spirits The Lord of the Mound, spirit of an old man who lives in a termite mound. Throughout prehistoric Southeast Asia, the Earth Mound was a locus of power probably because of its phallic shape. 
tabi, tabi po, baka kayo mabunggo. Excuse me, please lest I bump you. Is the polite way to pass one of these inhabited hills. Though invisible, the nuno can be grazed and thus retaliate with a fever or skin rashes. The Tree Dwellers Spirits reportedly resided in trees. Thus, the Mandayas, who are the largest ethnic group in southwestern Mindanao, believe that Tagbanua and Tagamal- Tagamaling are spirits who dwell in caves and balete trees. The belief persists to this day even among Christian Filipinos. The Ilocano Pugot and the Tagalog Capre are gigantic cigar-smoking black spirits who sit in deserted houses and up a balete or banyan tree with feet dangling to the ground. They can, however, assume any size they want, including that of an infant. Encantos also dwell in trees, but the term itself and the description of them as tall, pear-skinned, and light-haired beings with high-bridge nose is post-Hispanic. Encantos, male or female, sometimes fall in love with mortals and lavish gifts on them. The Babes in the Woods Probably the souls of the fetuses or dead children. They are called by the Ilocanos Kibaan. The creature is a foot high, dwells in the fields, can be scalded with boiling water, and even die. The, the Kibaan gift friends with gold, a cloak that confers invisibility, and a large cup of coconut which is inexhaustible. To those who throw hot water at them, the kibaan scatter powder which produces a disagreeable affliction. Closely related is the Tagalog patianak, which wails in the forest like a baby but inflicts harm. Common in pre-Christian times was the practice of exposing infirm deformed babies in the fields and forests. Their heart-wrenching wailing must have given rise to these beliefs. The Bloodthirsty and Implacable Among traditional Filipinos, the embodiment of evil is a being that is neither fully human nor fully animal. It stands upright like human beings and has a pace, but it preys on human flesh and makes the living sick so that they, when they die there is a carrion for food. Unlike the devil of the Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition, this brings this being does not harm the soul by tempting it to sin. The death it causes is physical rather than spiritual. Other spirits can be negotiated with. Offerings and kind words win their toleration if not help. It is not possible to do so with these implacable beings. Thus people fear them the most. The Busao, feared by the Bogobos of Dabao, of Dabao. people the air the mountains and the forest. They are limitless in number. Most malignant is the busao called Tigbanua. One eye gapes in the middle of the forehead, a hooked chin, two spans long, upturns to catch the drops of blood that drip from the mouth, and coarse black hair bristles on the body. It frequents graves, empty houses, and solitary mountain trails. Indeed, it may make an appearance at any place outside the safety of one's home. Guardian Spirits 
they are believed to preside over specific human activities such as birth, marriage, and death, over hunting, fishing, farming, and fighting. Beneficent and powerful, guardian spirits generally rule from the sky. Some, however, stay in their areas of responsibility on the earth or in the underworld. Some guardian gods. On the farm, Ikapati, Tagalog goddess of fertility, guardian anito of agriculture. Bagbang, magbangal, Bukidnon planter god who became the constellation that appears to signal the start of the planting season. Damolag, an anito of the early zambals who protect the fruiting rice from winds and typhoons. Lakan Bakod. Tagalog guardian god of the fruits of the earth who dwells in certain kinds of plants used as penses. Some anitos carry the title lakan or prince. They could have been deified kinglets. Pamahandi, a protector of carabaos and horses of the Bukidnon. When fishing, Amansinaya, anito of fishermen of the ancient Tagalogs to whom they offer their first catch. Hence the term Pasinaya for Sinaya, still used today. Following the theory of God-making, Aman, Aman Sinaya could be the soul of a maiden who was drowned and became an anito of the water. Libtakan, god of sunrise, sunset, and good weather of the Manobo. Makobosok, a merciful diwata of the Visayans who provides food for the hungry. He was once a chief in the Aru. Araut River on the coast of Panay. In the forests, Amanikable, ancient Tagalog anito of hunters. Makabote, Tingyan, spirit guardian of deer and wild hogs. When rearing a family, Mingan, goddess of the early Pampangos, Pampangos, mate of the god Suku. Consorts of the gods fall under the guardian category. Katambay, guardian anito for individuals, a kind of inborn guardian angel of the Bicols. Balimbung, a kind of Aphrodite of the Bagobos, the goddess made man crave for sexual satisfaction. Tagbibi, diwata protector of children of the mountain tribes of Mindanao. While at war, Mandarangan, and Darago, Bagobo god and goddess of war, Mandarangan, Mandarangan is believed to reside in the crater of Apo Volcano on the throne of fire and blood. Talagbusao, the uncontrollable Bukidnon god of war who takes the form of a warrior with big red eyes wearing a red garment. This deity, deity can enter a mortal warrior's body and make him fight fiercely to avenge a wrong. But Talagbusao can also drive him to insanity by incessant demand for the blood of pigs, pals, and humans. To the midst of the Visayans, mightier than thou, from Jose Maria Pabon, 1838. Though the authenticity of Pabon's manuscript's date is dubious, the traditions it records have an authentic ring. It was said that the god Captan had power over the winds of the earth, and the goddess Maguayan ruled over the winds of the sea. Captain was regal, agile, and strong. 
When happy, his breathing produced pine breezes, which made the Sampaguitas, Ilang Ilang, and wild lilies exude their joyful perfume over wide expanses of Kogon and sweet basil. When Captain was in a terrible humor, however, his agitated respiration produced great windstorms and cyclones. One lonely day, Maguayan, genius of the winds of the sea, was walking on the surface of the water. In her wake swam her innumerable aids, the big and small fishes, the lobsters and seahorses, and other inhabitants of the blue ocean. The lively Maguayan was beautiful to behold. Her hair and whole body were covered with num- numberless gleaming pearls and mother-of-pearl shells. Teased by the fragrance of the flowers, Maguayan stepped on the sandy shore. Suddenly, there appeared before her a majestic being dressed in the most graceful plumage of birds in riotous colors. Greetings, pretty bubble of the sea, said the brush captain. Magawayan looked at the divine being, smiled mockingly, and turned quickly away. Just as quickly, captain planted himself firmly in front of the irresistible Magawayan. I did not mean to annoy you, he said humbly. But there are just the two of us in this vast expanse. It would be a pity if we never met. I would like to offer you my services. Upon hearing these gentle words, Magawayan could not but return the salutation. Extending a cold hand, she said in a voice of thunder, Who are you that dare hold conversation with me? Do you not know that with my softest breath I can raise the waves in the vast ocean that can cause islets to sink? When I am enraged, I can raise foam-laden waves higher than the lofty mountains of the earth. There was a moment of silence. Suddenly, a luminous splash of lightning sliced the firmament, followed by a deafening crack of thunder. Did you see that bolt of light? asked Captain. It is one of my many, many subjects who will, at an order, obey me instantly. Angered at the noise, Maguayan said, Leave at once before you are taken by the sea. Scarcely had Captain retired a few steps when they fell on the seashore a vast wave. Had it not been for his agility, he would have been dragged to the bottom of the ocean. As soon as the big wave receded, Captain was back at the side of the dazzling Maguayan, ready to resume their strange courtship. From her he begged a thousand pardons. It was not his intention to vex the goddess by showing her his subjects. Surprised at the god's agility, Maguayan replied, I myself wanted to know if there was a being who had power equal to mine. But my will alone I, by my will alone I moved the sea which capsizes everything on its surface. And when the winds I send forth reach land, they tear up everything in their path, including the largest trees. I protege too numerous to enumerate. Said Captain, you asked me who I was. I came to be in the blue of infinite space and gender, as you were too, no doubt, by the mightiest of forebears. It is I who send forth those breezes, which cool and fill those heavenly clouds with moisture that eventually falls upon the earth as rain. At my signal, sparks fly, zigzagging with the thunderbolts, bursting to the air with unimaginable ferocity, tearing up rocks, killing animals, scorching trees, and deafening all. Without me, the trees, the shrubs and herbs which give life to the world would not be. And when I shake the feathers which protect my body, I produce disastrous whirlwinds which overrun powerful objects in their path, including those on your watery surface. Without me, those birds with brilliant plumage who fly through the air would have no gladness. All these powers I am offering you as well as my heart and whole being. 
After these words, Kaptan and Magoayek clasped hands and submerged themselves in the sea. And it is believed that since then, the genies of the air, the land, and the sea were united forever. This is not the end of the story for the ideal produced a bamboo plant in the middle of the ocean from which eventually emerged the first man and woman. Guys, thank you for tuning into this current episode of Bino Estraliano. Um, that was Luis, sorry, that was Lopez Luang there with his uh, excerpts from the Soul Book. Um, tune in next time, next episode for uh, the native idea of creation. What an interesting exploration of our uh, Philippine roots. Um, Guys, uh, if there's anything you like or dislike about the show, please feel free to call in. If you know any other Filipinos that uh, you think might enjoy the show, please uh, uh, refer the uh, show to them, share it with them. And, And yeah, guys, if you enjoy the show and you're not Filipino, yeah, please. If it inspires you or helps you in any other way, it's just entertaining, it's something to listen to. Please, uh, please drop us a line. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Until next time, peace.